Hello and welcome to another edition of Editing Aloud and a special one because it's the last one before next week's general election. And the Financial Mail panel this morning has got sort of two um, uh, election type editorials um, uh, in your package. Um, one speculates on the relative strengths of Sul Ramaphosa and Ace Magashula in, uh, in the party. Um, you, seem to, you seem to lean towards Ace Magashula having the upper hand, and it's kind of hard to, but you're going to explain why, you've, why you think that just now. And we talk a little bit about Tito Averweni and hope that he's going to be there later on. But in the meantime, um, there is shock news just landed, and if I can get it up on my phone, um, the IRR, the Institute of Race Relations, which as we know has been doing some very accurate polling, um, has put out today a, uh, its most recent poll, and it's going to update it again next Monday for the last time. But it has a scenario where the ANC vote nationally falls below 50%, um, where the DA uh, at, at its maximum rises to 24%, and where the uh, EFF more than doubles its vote last time to 14%. It's an absolutely breathtaking um, development. And these polls are credible. They allocate undecided voters. They're very carefully done. Nobody does it better than these guys. Sikonati, are we all... What's going to happen? 40, so, Anchor Capital... So I don't want to talk too much. Anchor Capital, this is um, Peter Armitage, I think, Rob Rose, says that with less than the 50% of the vote, um, this will be a shock result, and in this scenario, the EFF will likely emerge as kingmaker. Moody's downgrades SA sovereign debt cre credit rating to junk. Ramaphosa becomes a lame duck president, and his job to turn around will be arduous, if not impossible. Um, the ANC below 50%, what, what happens? I think that's a rather drastic scenario. I don't see that happening in this election, at least give it five years and then we definitely can get the, the ANC below uh, below 50%. But uh, Cyril Ramaphosa is already a dark, uh, lame president. He's, he's, he's just sitting there governing through commissions because he can't stand up and take, uh, and take decisions. Uh, you, you, you might argue then that would be worse after the election, but I don't see the ANC dropping below a majority in this election. But, uh, but um, Ron Darby, uh, the EFF more than doubling its vote. I mean, it's it's clearly mm. doing a lot better than people yeah. thought. That's where it stands now. Mm. Um, what's happened that we've missed? I think we're missing a lot. EFF, uh, that would be a big surprise. But, you, you know, in 2000, the last uh, local government elections, we underestimated what uh, opposition parties would do. So, I mean, the EFF climbs to 14%. That... Uh, yeah, there, there, uh, the, one, the one party I, I think is going to struggle, I think, is, is DA, right? The DA is Musi Maimani and yeah. that whole fiction between Tony Leon and that uh, Helen Zeller part. On the EFA front, but what have they... I mean, they haven't been very vocal since uh, last year. Last year, they had the whole land claims thing. It was their big yeah. uh, uh, battering ram. And they've, been, they've been quite... They've yeah, been relatively and sort of took quiet. took that away from them. So yeah. that will be quite... The, but yeah. oh, it depends on how... So the most likely, if you, take, AAC, if, you take right? the, if you take the average turnouts, mm. guys, of, of the last couple of elections, let's say 71.9%. Uh, in, in, the, in the IRR poll, the ANC gets 51%. Um, the DA gets 24%. 
and the EFF gets 14%. Um, and there's obviously also rands, but the, the, the ANC could, could, could manage without, uh, could, could manage to, in Parliament, as a divided party, um, it would still have a majority. What's more alarming for the ANC, I would have suggested, is the, is the Gauteng, are the Gauteng numbers, where even at seven, a turnout of 70.4%, the best the ANC does is 39% in Gauteng. Um, the uh, DA does 39% as well. And the EFF does um, 12%. So the, the, it puts the ANC or puts the DA into a particularly perilous position. Does it, does it stand back? Because it is now said that it won't it's reversed its previous thing. It will not coalish, do coalitions with the EFF. Um, it's, it's the other way. It's the, it's the EFF that said it won't do no, a coalition no, no, with the, the DA. No, 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 the DA has also mm. said the same thing. Okay. Um, so that leaves the EFF, and it only leaves the EFF and the ANC fighting for places at the table. And the economic consequences of that in terms of ratings, I think, TJ, would be pretty severe. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So, I mean, is there no, is there no idea in Gauteng they might do a sort of a grand coalition? You don't ever see the DA working with the ANC in Gauteng with maybe the DA going in as a senior partner. I mean, let's say there's a, a few decimals this way or that way. So, I mean, that, that to me is also a scenario that needs to be on the table. Yeah, um, that, the, that, the, that the DA is the senior partner. Well, if the, it depends on who gets the most votes. Then, yeah. Also, maybe what the yeah. deal is between the two of them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I also don't see, I also don't see the, the, the EFF and the DA working together. Uh, I mean, there are many potholes in Joburg that also uh, talk against that, I'd say. And, yeah. uh, I mean, in terms of ratings, I mean, what... What could have sort of ratings out, outcome is there for South Africa if uh, if there's no strong single voice in government that can call the shots? Well, and that's the problem. That, that the entry, Rob, of, of the of the EFF at any level of either provincial or national government would be ratings negative. heavily ratings negative. Mm. It certainly is ratings negative. I think the EFF's policies are economic lunacy. I mean, any one of the policies is is insane. But in Joburg, sorry, in Gauteng, um, it does put the, D the EFF as the obvious kingmaker, and it would suggest that the most natural route is for them to, to do a coalition with the ANC, especially since we've seen people like the Deputy President David Mabuza and others speaking recently of how they want Malema back in the party. There's an, there's an affinity within the ANC to do that kind of a deal. Um, the EFF, whether they would do it, is something else entirely. One wonders what the price would be. There's a surprise in these numbers as well for the, for the DA, because at a voter turnout of 71.9% in the Western Cape, they scrape home with 50%. Anything more than that, and they lose their majority mm. in the Western Cape. Uh, the ANC rises, I think it does best, um, at a voter turnout of 77.3%. They would get 30% of the vote, and the, a and the uh, EFF would get... Um, oh, wait a minute, the ACDP is also in there. The EFF gets 5% of the vote in, at, uh, at, at, on almost any count, 71.9, 69.2, also becomes able to, mm. to make or break um, 
government one way or the other. I, have a, I mean, I'm not entirely sure I've about this poll. I've never seen South African politics this, uh, this, divided. this fluid. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, there, there is an alternative poll. There's the Ipsos poll, which came out yesterday. And at 71%, they had the ANC getting 61% of the votes and the DA getting 19%. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously vastly different from this IRR poll. Um, I, do, I do wonder, though, whether the DA, because the DA got 22.2%, I think, in, in the last election, yeah. 2014. I just don't know if, they, if they're going to actually increase from that 22. And that scenario, the IRR scenario, suggests that they will increase nationally. By, by one or two points. I, I think the IRR is being uh, too optimistic and too generous to the DA. Uh, the, the, particularly in the Western Cape, uh, the, the DA has been shooting itself left, right, and centre. I do not see it increasing uh, its poll over the 2014 numbers. Certainly, Musa Maimane has failed, in my humble opinion, to do what uh, Helen Zilla had in mind when she said, "We want a black leader." Uh, Musi certainly does not sound like a black leader, and certainly does not uh, represent the black view in the Democratic Alliance. Uh, yeah. To be unfair, like, I think to, to, when we look at the DA, Musi was supposed to be the, the black leader to bring in the black voice. But I think DA has moved away from that, especially post uh, Ramaphosa. I mean, when Ramaphosa came in, DA has shifted away from the whole idea of becoming a big one day around the country. I think almost in their thinking, DA was like, no, we, we're happy you being an opposition party. I'm very happy with Hence, we see Tony Leon and Helen Zill back in the swing of things, but almost going back to their core base. So that whole idea of becoming a black uh, transformed, DA you party. Mean That's into the lager. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when I look at DA, they retreat into the lager. They're but very, but very it's happy. It's not too late. I yeah. mean, TJ, you may know more about this than me, but I mean, there's been a drift away of conservative voters from the DA, conservative white voters mm -hmm. from the DA to the Freedom Front Plus. And they were the people who, who, who Tony Leon mm -hmm. drew into the DA with his Fight Back campaign mm -hmm. back in. When was it? Uh, 99? 2004, uh, no, yeah, with yeah. Tabombe yeah, against Tabombe. In yeah, fact, the Freedom Front has adopted exactly the same, the same thing. Yeah, fight back. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm wondering whether they have to pay royalties for that slogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting. So there's definitely a battle. If you, if you read some of the Afrikaans uh, Sunday papers, yeah. well, <laughs> the Afrikaans yeah. Sunday paper, you'll see there's a, there's a, there's a serious fight there, mm. a turf war between the, the Freedom Front and, and the DA. Yeah. And What's interesting is that obviously the DA that, that we see today is, of, is, is the Democratic Party and the New National Party that merged, what, what was this, 2004 yeah. around yeah. there. So inside there, there are lots of you know, disgruntled voters that also don't like the DA the way it is now. Yeah. Mm. So what, that's, as, a, as a black-led party? I don't think as a black-led party. I'd, I'd say more look, English-dominated yeah. party. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, they are little little spots of Afrikaner nationalism still around in parts so people probably just don't like voting for a for an English-speaking leader yeah. and it's bizarre to think of it that way and I mean I'm not uh, I'm not talking about my own opinion yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying uh, yeah, no, sure. that's the kind of that's the kind of talk you sometimes hear in the Jolly Roger it's just there yeah, yeah. Peter, I mean, what I, what I find interesting about this... And stop that, drinking at the Julia Roger. <laughs> Go to yes, Fender, stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this come to our bar. In the Jolly, there's still a debate. I think it's Fender's door. I mean, what's interesting about this, these figures in the IRR is one of the polls talks about the amount of undecided voters. Yeah. You know, the IRR says it's very fluid because there's so many people who don't know who they're going to vote for. There's no obvious candidates yeah. for many people. So I think the Ipsos poll said 45% of people 
um, did not know who they were going to vote for a week before the election, and that's 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 pretty huge. Obviously, that's a big and the Ipsos and and I know the people who compile the IRR polls argue with each other about who's right and whose methodology mm. is better. Um, and we, it's one of the things that we'll find out after you know by, by Friday. Mm. One is which polling, which mm. polls were better mm. than the other, mm. and two, who is the party as you know as. That turns out to be as strong as it as as it said it was. For me, I can't wait for this election to be over. Obviously, I want a certain result. I've, I'm very frightened of the EFF getting into any level of of government because I really do think that it'll do damage to our standing in the world. And it'll, but it'll, you know maybe this. But maybe but maybe you know if, if I look at okay if the UK example where uh, David Cameron and independent Democrats were like oh the kingmaker suddenly they came in and for one term was was a crazy marriage, then, then it was, they were dead the next term. So it may, perhaps an EFF going in coalition with the ANC, at some point it would die. I, I don't think the EFF would survive in a marriage with the ANC. EFF would survive with EFF against DA, this is a white party, and there's EFF extreme. But within an ANC collective, maybe, maybe we should think of it as a way of, of, of squashing the EFF within the ANC. I don't know. Just if, I'm just trying to think contrarian yeah. here, but, but saying... Yeah, maybe they're you're looking for the positives. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it could. Mm -hmm. I mean, a big ANC party, and then you bring Julius. But EFF is just ANC's youth league under Zuma the left, right? They're coming back in, the, the policy they might be more extreme, but they're more or less in the same line. So it could actually be a way of just shutting down the EFF. EFF will be very. I think EFF they want to be remain relevant. Would not go in a coalition with ANC. Would go in a coalition with DA. If they go in with the ANC, they come. Why are you pointing at Rob? No, oh, but it's, well, let's I, I, mean, I want to point yeah, here anyway. Yeah, but, but I mean, there yeah. must be there must be exhausted these guys. Yeah, yeah. Hey? Mm. No, there has to. So I don't know. Like uh, an EFF marriage ANC is de death of EFF. I think more than anything else. But EFF with DA, it's always relevant. Uh, Julius versus Musi or Julius versus. Um, Cyril wouldn't survive a, a, a remarriage though with 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 the EFF, would he? Again. You know, Cyril, all on this table we've been doing for three years now has always surprised us, and I think you, look, I think you may. You may like, actually, I'm, that would be I'm the best outcome him. for him. Yeah. yeah, he did chair the disciplinary committee that kicked Julius out. Yeah. So move along slightly. Let's assume the election is over, that the ANC has scraped through um, with 52, 51, 52% of the vote nationally. It's involved in all sorts of coalition uh, talks in the Western Cape and in Gauteng. Um, and uh, um, it, may, it might even try and run minority governments where it's the biggest party, right? That's not impossible. Other parties can support it or not support it depending on what, on what, they, on what they do. But the, the FM, both Rob and Sukunati, um, you've got a, 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 two editorials. One is about Ace Makashule and Ramaphosa. The other one is Tito and Baweni. And there's a big um, uh, lunch with the FT feature with him on the FT this Saturday. It's reprinted in Business Day I see today. Um, and you talk about him. Uh, it's such a very jovial interview, and it's a really nice read with the Africa editor, David Was Pilling. Was it bottles of wine that they went through? Or yeah, something? whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you end up here saying, um, uh, he you, you, you're saying approvingly that he has the right attitude towards state-owned assets that lose money. And you say President Sir Ramaphosa should move mountains to ensure Mbaweni stays, i.e. in government. We have too few economically sensible people in the cabinet as it is. Now, that could only have been written either by you, Rob, or by you, Sikhanati, or by both of you. Surely there are some thing. alternatives here. 
He ate for eight hours. Didn't drink eight bottles of wine. Oh, okay, 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 okay. They started drinking at twelve. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I mean, Peter, in that in that interview, he talked about the fact that, for example, he's now forbidden from talking about SA Airways, yeah. despite how much money it, it loses. Yeah. But he was still, you know, the point about Tito is he's a very independent-minded person. Yeah. He's got the ability to say. This is my job, my fiduciary responsibility here is to look after the fiscus, not to look after the interests of the ANC. And there aren't enough people who think like that. And that's what it's premised on. I mean, during this interview, he talked about how he wouldn't give any of his own personal money to, to SAA at all. He said yeah. that if you have a chicken farm um, you, you know, to get eggs and the chickens don't lay any eggs, then you close the farm. And that's, that was his analogy for SAA. And that, that seems to be a very rare commodity, that kind of independent thinking within government. And that was, that was the argument. But you had a slight issue with it. Yes. He tells the Financial Times that he won't, if it was his personal business, he wouldn't put a cent into South African Airways. Yet he is happy to put taxpayers' money in it. He's happy to put pensioners' funds in it. Uh, and he's the finance minister. Uh, of course, he, the, the ANC controls him. But what does that mean uh, for, 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 for the uh, post-May election? Yeah. Is he coming back or is he not? He clearly is not being allowed to do his job. And, and he said, he said uh, before, particularly on, on budget day, that uh, he would close SAA down again, mm. Petro SA and, and, and the SABC, uh, if, if they want money from him. So he's not able to do his job. What? Why is he there? Um, uh, Ron, um, is, he, is he the best possible finance minister after the election? Uh, you know, initially I was like, he should go, but he always seemed disinterested in the job. However, I'm with Rob on this one. Uh, I mean that, that kind of indifference to his ANC future within the party and that independent, basically he's behaving like a reserve bank governor. Yeah. You almost mm -hmm. see in his mindset, I am still that, you know, even that in, the, in that well, you could see in the article. Yeah, he wants to be called governor yeah. still, so he's behaving very much like Lissetia, very much saying, look, psh, he's above the fray. Above the fray, I yeah. really don't care if, if you keep me the NEC or if you make yeah. me president of this country at some point, right? Yeah. So I like that about him. I kind of... I like the indifference. I, so I'm, I've warmed up to Tito in, in, for, just on those aspects of what Rob is saying. And you know, when he says, look, uh, SAA, I'm going to sell you, right? You shouldn't be. So but I think it gets the executive on SAA, like, clear understanding that, look, there, there isn't this cash cow that is Treasury come and get bailouts. So I think he's making a clear message that and Treasury to get any money from us, any bailouts from us, is not going to be easy. There's so not, there's nice not exactly enormously rich pickings out there for to run the Treasury. I mean, he's got to find a minister and a deputy minister, because presumably Monde Gungabele is not going not to want to hang around. I mean, he's had mm -hmm. enough, um, he's had a rough ride for the last year or so with the PRC. We and have all. two former finance ministers in parliament still. Okay. Des Van Royen and yeah. Malusa Kigaba are yeah. still available. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's Des is not. Wonderful. I'm afraid Des, Des sadly is <laughs> unavailable. Des is an, this time. But he could be brought in. He could be brought in. But I, you, I did notice that in the parliamentary list, the famous parliamentary list of the ANCs, that Barbara Creasy, who's the who's been the Gauteng Finance MEC, is now going to Parliament. So presumably that would be partly to make her available for one of those jobs. No? I think she'd be excellent as deputy, and yeah. because you can say that. Uh, Tito's behaving like a, like a ceremonial chairman, right? He's yeah. having long lunches and uh, he doesn't really go to the office much. And that's how he's going to operate. It, uh, that's not going to change. I don't think anyone's going to get him back in an office every day. And then Creasy might be just that. The sort of de facto, de facto, de facto running sort of the ship. Of yeah, and whilst they have. And he, he'll be great political cover for her as well. So everyone's uh, throwing pot shots, so we're shooting at Tito 
who doesn't really care? Literally, it'll take the heat. So maybe I don't know. That's, that's just can I just, can I just ask you because you guys have all been watching the PRC thing. Uh, where are we with the PRC inquiry? Does it matter whether the deputy finance minister is the PRC chairman or not? I mean, I do think it does matter, and I don't think it's a good thing at all because it does open it up to interference. I mean, the PRC okay. should be looking after P after pensioners' money. That's its fiduciary responsibility at the moment. So moments. part of part of um, the Commission of Inquiry's mandate will be to make a recommendation mm, on that, will it absolutely, not? Absolutely, yeah. And what do you think, having heard what you've heard, might that recommendation be? Well, I think that the, the Commission, I mean, it's still going on. Election yeah, yeah. Party's still hearing it, and there's still more to come out. But I think at this, at this time, it looks like political interference at the PRC has been a big problem, and that's yeah. an obvious way to, to remedy that, and very obvious and, and um, public way to say that, look, we don't have, we don't have a politician who's leading us at the moment. So I think, I think that the recommendation should be to not allow that. That's what Provin wanted before he left. Before he uh, was fired the last time as finance minister on his, at that last uh, yeah. press conference, he said that he wanted to make the recommendation that... It's not, not a law, it's a convention. It's a convention, it's a convention yeah. you could get rid of quite yeah. easily. Yeah. Optically, it looks much better. Yeah. Did, um, can I ask, did the, did the PRC... I mean, we know the PRC is a big investor in almost every sort of investable share on the on the stock market and some that aren't investable and some that aren't investable <laughs> and some that aren't on the stock market <laughs> and some that aren't on the stock market <laughs> but tj did they ever invest in, are there big investors in ShopRite? yeah really yeah, i think they're number two really yeah i actually didn't check uh, so you will understand yeah. better than me because i don't understand high finance why just sketch the background to this debate about releasing or cancelling Deferred shares, we'll have to find out what deferred shares are first. With three billion rand to Christo Visa, who is the ShopRite mm -hmm. chairman, um, out of which he will make something like in cash three and a half billion rand. Yeah, if, if you put Why it in rand you? terms, yeah. yeah. But, it, but he'll be getting ShopRite shares for that, that's the thing. He'll be getting ordinary ShopRite oh, he shares. He won't be getting, they, no, there's not, not a cash arrangement. Yeah. So he He'll, gets. And does His stake was about 16, and after the deal, it would be something like 18. So it's, it's, it's mm. ballpark somewhere it's there. 14 Sorry, and 18. 14 and 18. But yeah, it's, it's moved from what to what? Uh, it's 14 or 15 to 18 percent. So his stake in Shoprite was about yeah. It, it's so not, his stake it's not would increase. Yes. So yeah. Peter, I mean, one of the things about these deferred shares essentially. It's, How does a share become deferred? Well, it's a, it's a special structure. It's its own structure of of shares that allow Christovisa, who owns, who holds it, he's the only deferred shareholder there. It gives him a whole lot extra voting power. So it suddenly gives him 32% blocking power. So together with his, his other shares, he owns 40, he controls 42% of the vote of the company. Right. So it's an immensely powerful position, though he's the only one who has it. So he can block any special resolution. He can block any takeover for, yeah. for ShopRite. Mm -hmm. um, so valuing those shares is very difficult. But Christo says, this is the price I'm putting on these shares. And if you want to buy me out, that's what it'll take. And the, the shareholders are saying, well, why do, you, wh why do we need to do that? We don't need to do that to buy you out. Mm. TJ, you've written, you've written the, this, this book about Christo Visa, um, uh, Risks and Riches, hold it up. Um, and um, is there something in Christo Visa, is there a sort of a reluctance? Has he been burnt by Steinhoff to the extent that he would like to quietly, you know, just exit stage, exit, exit stage ex left. Exit stage left, yeah. I don't, I mean, f from every, everything that I've read and the interviews I've done, 
he likes the sort of likes to be in the public eye, and he, he likes those things. So I, I don't think he's because you describe quite a modest guy in, in the in, in the book. Yeah, I mean, uh, quite an ordinary guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, modest is difficult to say, but yeah, an ordinary guy. But he, um, yeah, if if you look if you look at what he's done over the years, he tries to keep control with as little as possible. Uh, with, with putting as little money, money yeah. in as possible. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is this is with his banking empire. He controlled yeah. controlled the fourth, fifth bank, largest banking group with a seven percent economic stake at yeah. the time, yeah. uh, of which he didn't even have it all. This was the former Bulland Bank. Bulland yeah. Bank that yeah. became BOE, MBS, BOE, and then the, yeah. the, the using whole these complicated share structures. Mm. Exactly. So, yeah. and uh, I mean, this is a this is a more recent structure, but the, the deferred shares. That's how he's kept control of a shop right for what all would these be, years. And, and, or and negative the, control. And the, the shareholders are reluctant to give him this money, or, or these shares, or, or or they're happy to go along with it. Well, this is the, this is the thing that we don't know. We so we've we've seen some of the shareholders yeah. coming out strongly against it. Some don't care. Yeah. And obviously, he's one of the large shareholders. Yeah. And in the PIC, try and get a. Try and get a response out of them uh, at this yeah. stage. Yeah. Is I, it possible for the PRC to have a point of view at the moment? I mean, are they? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and they've, they've, they've also been long-term allies. The PIRC yeah. and Christo, they've, they've usually, all through Steinhoff, many years with ShopRite, yeah. they've usually voted on the same side. So right. it's get, almost in the bag. Yeah. Getting rid of, of that artificial control, this is one of the pyramid structures that South African companies all the way back yeah. in the 70s mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. implemented to secure control. This is what Pick and Pay did, uh, Liberty, Liberty and, and, and all of yes. And they've all been dismantled. So, they, they, they've all been dismantled. Yeah. The difference with this one, it was only implemented in 2000. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that was about the time that was, uh, Walmart was sniffing yeah. around. And, and they had, uh, Christo had to secure uh, control in ShopRite. Yeah. After trying to get Braid, another uh, of yes. his investments, to take private ShopRite. Yeah. So when that failed, decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give myself an extra, and of course investors backed it, uh, allowed it. Uh, I'll give myself a voting control. Yeah. So he gets dividends of only about 14% of the total shares held in the group, but he votes. So it's good for the, for the investors to let him go. Three billion rand? I don't know. They have to. They they have to decide what the value of that control once, is. Once that ha once that has happened, then it would be impossible for him to run uh, blocking votes against, say, anybody mm. who wanted to take over the company. Or definitely. But but this is interesting. So if he if he has eighteen percent of the vote and uh, the PIC has seventeen or somewhere around there, if they're closely aligned, they can still they can still block anything. Sort of like the EFF and um, the ANC. <laughs> Yeah, but yes. but you know, I like, think he'll, he'll love the, uh, the comparison. <laughs> That's the thing about investment, our, our investment community. If standoff never happened, this would be a breeze. This, this wouldn't even be an issue, yeah, yeah. actually. Because they wouldn't around. need the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, you wouldn't need the money. Does he need the money, TJ? I don't. Does he have big debts? I don't. This is the funny thing. What do, <laughs> you can see the wine farms and you can see the, yeah. the listed share price. Uh, if, if you look at the way he structured, and we just spoke about the banking empire. Yeah. Back then, it was it was a highly leveraged structure. Yeah. So yeah. you would assume that he's still highly leveraged. And this, Rob, you probably yeah. that's South I mean, Africa for you. Yeah, uh, we're all we're all live on on on, on debt. Uh, it's all for show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the election. <laughs>